Greetings, friends. I hope you are ripe and ready to join us for a meaningful encounter with God's Word today as we continue our one-year Bible tour. It's August 10th, and I want to give a special shout-out to our granddaughter, Sila, who loves reading and meditating upon the Scriptures as it is her birthday. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to have these moments with you reading through the Scriptures and having my personal perspective challenged by one that is higher. For the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so we humble ourselves as we come before God's Word for reading the Bible today. I often say that if you have a God who always agrees with you, you are worshiping an idol. We read the Word of God because He is a God who has revealed Himself in time-space history and has spoken through the prophets and most fully and finally in the person of His Son, the Word made flesh. Through reading the Bible, we see history from His perspective and we see the ultimate objective, which is the restoration of all things through the redemptive work of our God and Savior. Throughout history, there have been spiritual awakenings when people recognize their sin and try to put things right before God. However, the Bible shows us that these attempts, as profitable as they may be for a season, they all fall short. There is only one way to be made right with God, and that is through the righteous work of Christ. He alone fulfills God's righteous demands on our behalf through His perfect life of obedience and His substitutionary death upon the cross. He voluntarily took the punishment that God's righteousness demands for our sin upon His own body, that we who put our trust in Him, owning Him as our Lord and Savior, could once and for all be put in the right with God and stand before Him just as if we never sinned. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are reading from the book of Ezra in the Old Testament as Ezra is leading the remnant that has returned to Jerusalem in repentance with confession of sin and an attempt to purge the land of false ideologies which had become widespread through intermarriages that had taken place during the previous sixty years when the first remnant returned. Ezra is appalled. These intermarriages with pagans were forbidden, according to the law of Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, especially with the Moabites and the Edomites because of their wicked beliefs. Polygamy was also forbidden but clearly the law had been disregarded and the people were ready to confess their sin and put things right. They knew that they had done wrong and were deserving of punishment. The people then decided to act on a proposal to dissolve these illegal marriages to foreign wives. Whether they were their only wives, we don't know. However, what we do know is that these people were now trying to do right according to the law of Moses. However, it was a little too late as a good number of them had children by these wives. The whole process of putting this right took three months, and we know clearly that God hates divorce in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, and we will learn more about how we are to think about this situation after we have read the passage and compare it with the teaching of the New Testament. So let's begin today's excursion on the one-year Bible tour by going to the book of Ezra chapter 10, and we'll begin with verse 1. The people confessed their sin. While Ezra prayed and made confession, Weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel, for the people wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra. 
We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land, but even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. Then Ezra arose and made the leading priests and Levites and all Israel take an oath that they would do as had been said. So they took the oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Jehoanan, the son of Eliashib, where he spent the night, neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. And a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the returned exiles that they should assemble at Jerusalem, and that if anyone did not come within three days, by order of the officials and the elders, all his property should be forfeited, and he himself banned from the congregation of the exiles. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month, on the twentieth day of the month. And all the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and because of the heavy rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have broken faith and married foreign women, and so increased the guilt of Israel. Now then, make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do His will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives." Then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, It is so. We must do as you have said. But the people are many, and it is a time of heavy rain. We cannot stand in the open. Nor is this a task for one day or for two, for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. Let our officials stand for the whole assembly. Let all in our cities who have taken foreign wives come at appointed times, and with them the elders and judges of every city, until the fierce wrath of our God over this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan, the son of Asahel, and Josiah, the son of Tikvah, opposed this, and Meshulam and Shabbathai, the Levite, supported them. Then the returned exiles did so. Ezra the priest selected men, heads of fathers' houses, according to their fathers' houses, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month they sat down to examine the matter, and by the first day of the first month they had come to the end of all the men who had married foreign women, those guilty of intermarriage. Now there were found some of the sons of the priests who had married foreign women, Maasiah, Eliezer, Jareb, Gedaliah, some of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brothers. They pledged themselves to put away their wives, and their guilt offering was a ram of the flock for their guilt. Of the sons of Immer, Hanani, and Zebediah. Of the sons of Harim, Maasiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel, and Uzziah. Of the sons of Pashur, Elioenai, Maasiah, Ishmael, Nathanael, Josabad, and Elisa. Of the Levites, Josabad, Shemai, Teliah, that is, Kalita, Pethahiah, Judah, and 
Eliezer, of the singers, Eliashib, of the gatekeepers, Shalom, Telem, and Uri, and of Israel, of the sons of Parosh, Ramaiah, Isaiah, Melchijah, Mijamin, Eleazar, Hashabiah, and Benaiah, of the sons of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah, of the sons of Zatu, Eloinai, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zabad, and Azizah, of the sons of Bebai were Jehonanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athlai. Of the sons of Bani were Meshulam, Maluk, Adiah, Jashub, Sheel, and Jeremoth. Of the sons of Pahath Moab, Adna, Chelel, Benaiah, Maasiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Benui, and Manasseh. Of the sons of Harim, Eliezer, Ishijah, Melchijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Moloch, and Shemariah, of the sons of Hashum, Metani, Metata, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei, of the sons of Bani, Maada, Amram, Uel, Beniah, Bediah, Chaluhi, Beniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matani, Jasu, of the sons of Binui, Shemai, Shalamiah, Nathan, Adiah, Machnadabai, Shashai, Sharai, Azarel, Shalamiah, Shamariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph, of the sons of Nebo, Jael, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zebina, Jadai, Joel, and Benaiah. All these had married foreign women, and some of the women had even borne children. And this is the end of today's portion from the Old Testament, the book of Ezra. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Ezra's prayer in chapter 9 is followed by a demonstration of contrition. He weeps and lies face down upon the ground. A large assembly of men, women, and children join him, humbly recognizing their sin. Shechaniah approaches Ezra with a suggestion that they get right with God by making a covenant with the Lord to put away their pagan wives and their children. Their intermarriage to pagans was strictly forbidden in the law. Billy Graham once commented about resolving marital problems this way. It is hard to unscramble eggs, he said. The command in the Torah was clear. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 and 4, Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Not only was this command disregarded by the public, but it was disregarded by the Levites and the priests. In chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, we read, Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. So now let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. The Apostle Paul's counsel in the New Testament is quite different from Shechaniah's in the Old Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12-17, through 17, we read, 
To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. There is no record that the Lord approved of Shechaniah's remedy but their compromise with paganism had to be acknowledged and put right somehow, and God's command is that his people be holy and separate in their devotion. And we must remember that this Jewish remnant was under the old covenant law of Moses. Correction courses are not always easy, but they do need to be taken. In Ezra chapter 10 verse 4, Arise, for this matter is your responsibility, but we will be with you, be courageous, and act. The determination of the people to get right with God is highlighted by the fact that they sat outside the temple listening to Ezra trembling in the pouring rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have broken faith and married foreign women, and so increased the guilt of Israel. Now then, make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do His will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Ezra chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. Apparently, each case of a mixed marriage was judged separately. The leaders took three months to complete the process of hearing each case to determine a course of action. The reading and the book closes with a list of the priests who had married pagan wives. I'm sure this is not the way they would have chosen to be remembered. Their names remain with us in the Bible as part of, quote, the list of offenders, end quote. Now let's move on in today's reading tour to the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. The Apostle Paul is addressing blind spots in the lives of the Corinthian Christians. They were taking their brothers to court, so he deals with the subject of lawsuits against believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another... Does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, 
nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And this concludes our portion today from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In this section, Paul warns the church not to go first to the worldly courts to settle their disputes, but rely on biblical principles of conflict resolution and godly counsel rather than going first to the world's legal system. Then he says, To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7 We serve another king, and we must keep the interests of the kingdom of God in view. We are to walk as children of light. Paul makes it clear that the fruit of justification, that is, the fruit of true conversion, will be sanctification. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11. Why do we have these lists of sins in the Bible? Why not just leave it to, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? It is so we will not be deceived. It is because our hearts are so wickedly self-justifying that we can make excuses for our sin and pretend that we are right with God when we are not. Jesus warns that many on that day will claim that they are worthy of inheriting the kingdom of God, and he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, We have been ransomed from the slave market of sin. We now belong to another. We are slaves of righteousness. Our bodies are not temples to self, but temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are to honor God with our bodies. And now let's move on to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, the Book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook and prayer book. And reading on her birthday, Psalm 31, verses 9 through 18, is our granddaughter, Selah McAdam. Psalm 31, 9 through 18. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. 
For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Thank you, Selah. We can pray with the psalmist, Be gracious unto me, in Psalm 31, verse 9. Verses 9 through 13 describe the psalmist's miserable condition and many troubles, but he resolves to look up to the Lord. But I will trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Psalm 31, verses 14 through 16. And now we're going to move on to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. And reading Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3, is our grandson, Isaac McAdam. Proverbs 21, 3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That's so true. Your participation in corporate worship does not excuse you from doing what is right and treating others fairly. Thank you, Isaac, and now let's pray together. Father, you are holy. We hallow your name and desire that your name be hallowed as we reflect your glory through the grace of our Lord and Savior. You have delivered us from darkness, so we do not want to be partakers of any unfruitful works of darkness. There is none like you, so we pray that we will be fully consecrated in our devotion to you and not compromise our obedience to your word. Empower us with your spirit of holiness to do only what is pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was certainly a blessing to have our family with us today as we were reading through the scriptures as we continue our one-year Bible tour. We start the book of Nehemiah tomorrow and we'll continue in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you would like to receive a transcript of our commentary with illustrations, you can go to our website and subscribe at newlife.org. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So in the meanwhile, may you continually be filled to overflowing with the joy of the Lord and the ministry of God's Holy Spirit. Shalom. Shalom.